Hi, how are you? My name is Matt Fitzsimmons. Welcome to the Best Small Business in the World podcast. Joining me is Sturdy McKee. Good morning, Sturdy. How are you? Good. What's going on, Matt? Um, well, life on the farm is great. <laughs> I'm looking out my window. I'm seeing goats and sheep. Life is great. Stereotyping. <laughs> and is, is it? I know. It's such a cliche. <laughs> We um we just had a public holiday here, and my daughter was out there every day feeding them bagels. Um, and I never I never knew sheep and, and, and goats could eat bagels, but apparently that's quite the thing. So, yeah, I did anyway. not know that either. Oh. No, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and and hot cross buns. Apparently, um, a little bit hard hot cross buns. They were quite into who, them. Yeah, who doesn't like those? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because I'm going to I'm going to loosely tie in my daughter attracting the sheep and the goats with hot cross buns to today's subject. Okay, so <laughs> what is, is today's subject? What are we going to do? Well, like like my daughter Sydney attracted the uh, the sheep and the goats with hot cross buns and bagels. How do you attract and recruit the right staff for your business? Which I think is a really interesting subject. We can have a, a really good, uh, interesting uh, yarn about. Yeah. So what is, let's go into that. What is the first thing? Because, you know, we, we talk about giving a virtual bench and having a pipeline and all those kinds of things, but how do you get people interested and excited about coming to work for you or on your team in the first place? It's funny because I've, I've got a lot of clients who've done this well, and a lot of clients have done this not almost as well. Yeah. Struggled a bit over the years and, um, this is probably the, the biggest difference is what you end up spending your time talking about. And if you talk about what makes you really unique and what it means to work in your business with, and referring always back to, you know, your, your vision of purpose, um, like the vision for the business, talking about where you're going, what you're doing, the cool stuff that you're on, a, you know, that, that you're on a path towards achieving the really cool way that you get to serve your clients and your customers and, and the values, which, which, you know, hold you together as a team start talking about that and how they play out and how you celebrate people in your business. And, and, and the companies that have done a good job of shouting that from the rooftops, I think have done, done really, really well. Um, and, and as a Kiwi, that's not something that we're actually used to. It's, it's really interesting. We, we are, we're not a sort of culture who shout from the rooftops about how great we are. Um, and so we really struggle with that um, as a group of people. So there are some cultures who are better, better than that than us, and, and we could learn a lot from them, I think. Um, I think it, that varies an awful lot by industry and stuff too, right? They're going to be, even within a, like a dominant culture, U.S. culture, you're going to have different industries and different segments and sectors there where, yeah, they're out there yelling it from the rooftops, and there are others that are like, oh, well, we have to be more professional or conservative or polite or whatever in the world it is. But ultimately, I think you're you're right on about not just how great we are, but you're really looking for fit, right? We're not just looking for everybody to think we're wonderful. We're looking for the right people to resonate with what we're about and why they should join. And, and you know what's, what's really interesting? I actually found that you're actually looking for a really small number of people. Oh, um, yeah. Right. You're, you're not after like a, a, a bench of 50 people. You're after like a bench of three or four for most small businesses at the most. So it's not like you've got to have, you know, a hundred people knocking down HR's door um, to, to to get an interview with the business. You need three or four superstars at any one time who are just gagging to come on board your business. 
Well, and the coolest thing about that is superstars want to work with other superstars, right? So A players is generally what we're, I tend to call them. But yeah, if you've got A players in your, on your crew, on your team, they're going to attract other people. And that's kind of the underpinning or the beginnings of your culture, right? And mm-hmm. the culture, people talk about it. It's, you know, I've heard things about it being overused or undefined, whatever. It's really just the way you expect people to behave and interact and, you know, the cause that they're working for. You know, I love this one. You'll like this, Matt. John Spence calls your A players volunteer employees. Yeah, that's he, a cool, I've heard that. That's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, and what he means by that, which is so interesting and intriguing, is basically they could go to work essentially anywhere. They're volunteering. They're choosing to come work on, you know, at your, at your company, you know, in your business. So... When you're when you build a culture that attracts them and that keeps them happy, that's going to attract other people. So, um, you got any ideas? What are some of the things that would make them happy? Well, I think if you look at the things that um, that won't make them happy, um, <laughs> so well, you can talk about um, focus on the positive, Matt. <laughs> Well, if if money is the only thing that's going to make them happy, then then they're probably the wrong person, right? Yeah, people don't work for money per se, and that's and and I know I know somebody out there is going wait 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 wait. I I ask this in front of audiences, right? I'm speaking in front of 200 people. I say people don't work for money, and they start to freak out, right? Business owners and stuff, and go, how many of you volunteer? You know, anywhere for the PTA, for a little league, for Boy Scouts, for whatever, yep. you know, and two thirds of the hands go up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not getting paid for that, mm-hmm. right? So why do you do it? You know, and generally it's about that, in, uh, you know, being motivated by the purpose, by the cause. And that's what I turn around and challenge them to, you know, with what if you could marry those two? What if you could marry a fair pay paycheck with a cause, with yeah. a reason for showing up to work? Hundred percent. I think you've got to take money off the table, but if if somebody's yeah. going to join you because of it, they're probably joining for the wrong reason. Um, I worked with a company up in Washington, uh, Washington State, and they made the 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 machinery that makes the bits for Apple um, computers and laptops and 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 phones and that sort of stuff. And so they make these super high precision machines that can turn out gazillion things tiny little micro bits that go into a phone or a laptop or or, or a thing sure. but that were done to um uh, an amazing level of accuracy and what i found really interesting with that is that they have no trouble at all um getting the right engineers to come and work for them because they had an amazing culture that was really innovative and they were doing really interesting stuff um and they didn't pay the best they they in fact that they said that this is probably going to be a training ground for your next job where you'll probably earn the big bucks um oh but we're going to spend our time training you and, and developing you. So when you leave here and everyone leaves here, eventually let's, let's be honest. I mean, you know, the, the, the job, sure. the days the job, that's been a 40 year job of, of well since gone. So they accepted that right. you're going to leave, but they just want you to wanted you to be in a better position when you did leave to go and earn crazy money. If that's what your motivation was or to do other really interesting things, having gone on a really interesting journey within their organization, which, I just thought, what a great way of looking at employing people. Cool. So I'm going to give you a little list. We said take pay off the table, meaning you're going to pay them fairly, right? You're going to pay them. And the research actually shows that plus or minus 10% of market rate for whatever position is considered fair. 
Yep. Okay, so most people are gonna, and maybe you tighten it up a little bit, maybe you don't wanna be on the below 10%, right? Um, or 10% below, but you wanna be kind of in the median for the job. People want challenging, meaningful work. We talked about purpose a minute ago, right? A cause, a reason. Um, they wanna work with other A players you mentioned. They want a winning culture. And what you're talking about too is opportunity for growth, that personal and professional growth where yep. they can learn something, learn something new. They can you know, look back, this month, this quarter, am I smarter than I was three months ago? Or did I learn more stuff? Did I, did I have a new skill? Do I have something that I can take? And, um, and there's one more thing that's a little bit more daunting and it took me a long time to kind of get my head around. You know what that one is? I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting with Baker's breath, mate. <laughs> they want a leader they respect and admire. So- It is so true. What's the number one reason? Manager or well, right, exactly. A bad manager is the number one reason people leave jobs, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 So they want somebody that they can respect and admire. And by the way, the respect doesn't mean that you've accomplished a ton more or done a bunch of other things, or that you, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it, and this is what I've seen just watching companies, right? Watching leadership working with with leaders as well directly but a lot of it has to do with integrity and like the fidelity to the express purpose and values yep 100 percent. yep so it's actually a little easier as the leader than it originally might look like you don't have to be super charismatic or extroverted or gung-ho or whatever you know Mm -hmm. there's no one type of leader that people gravitate toward what they do gravitate toward is somebody who walks the walk, keeps their promises, sticks to the, you know, aligns with what they say. They, they do what they say. Yeah. They do what they say they will. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a value in a lot of businesses that I, um, and I deal with is, you know, we do what we say we will. We, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we, we follow through all that sort of stuff. And there are so many examples of leadership where they promise the world, but never quite get around to it because they're so busy. And the businesses with leaders who who do actually make time to do that stuff are the businesses that you, you know, that you see do really, really well. I think a lot of leadership can get tied up in, in doing the tasks and the stuff that you need to do and not doing the people side. And every business that I've seen with a leader who's got to focus on empowering their team and supporting his team or her team for that matter, um, mm-hmm. have done exceptionally well because they're focusing on the things that matter. Um, and if you've got a culture where the boss is saying, Hey, my, my team are the most important thing I've got here, then wow, that's a pretty cool place to work. I'd say. Well, now that brings up another great point too, because I think the misinterpretation there very often is I have to spend all my time working on my team, right? Or I have to spend all an inordinate amount of time, or I don't know what to do or all those things. You really don't, but you, you know, you have to have a process for it so that you're, so it's small touches on an ongoing basis, right? And, and there's an idea of presence as well, right? I mean, we think about our kids, think about your dog. You're not with them all the time, right? But when Mm. you are, are you actually focused on them? Are you engaging with them? Are you putting your phone away? Are you talking to them? Are you asking questions? Are you learning? Are you recognizing the good stuff they did? You know, undivided attention is one of the most powerful incentives that any any leader or manager can provide. Mm. 
I deal with a business and um, the GM of the business has uh, eight reports who report directly to him. And uh, usually it's a Tuesday, he said, it's my cell phone free day because he has um, eight meetings with all of his uh, all of his reports. And he has a policy that he doesn't take his cell phone in or have it on during that meeting because that time with that person is so critical and so important. He will put everything else aside and deal uh-huh. just with that just with that person in front. And you know what it's like. You've got this thing and it's sitting on the desk, even if it's over here. You know mm-hmm. that you're yeah, you, you, you're waiting <laughs> for the biz, the, you know, the ding, biz ding. Or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and what he does is he's no. You're way more important than any phone call that can come in. Now, after we've finished meeting, I'll check my messages, all that sort of stuff. He actually leaves it outside his office and he won't let you have a meeting with your cell phone on you. Uh, And I just think that he's got his focus right because he gets, he says he gets half an hour, three quarters of an hour every week to sit down with these people. He said, that's the only time that I get to talk to the eight most important people in the business. You know, it's like, is it worth putting my cell phone aside? Yes, it is. It's totally worth that. So well, he does that. I run into this as well. I get a lot of pushback on on these meetings. You know, when you have that undivided attention, though, it can be it can be twenty minutes, it can be thirty minutes, it can be, but it has to have a, some kind of structure. You've got to you know know what you're doing, have objectives, a reason for having it. Um, but you're there to really support those people and to hear mm-hmm. from them. Really, there to listen. And um, yeah. You know, that, that's something that gets lost in all of this as well. But you start talking about how all this stuff interweaves together. You know, we started with culture. We started with fair pay, you know, purpose, all this. But if you have a leader that you can, you know that you have time on Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that can wait till Tuesday. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't need to get, you know, brought up immediately. As the leader, you eliminate a lot of interruptions. And you also build a culture of accountability in your team because, when we sit down and I hear what you need and I follow through and deliver on it, right? That's where I'm leading by example. I'm following the values. I'm living the purpose. I'm supporting you guys to be the best player, manager, coach in, in your position that you can be. That, that goes a long way, man. Oh yeah. That would be, that would be fantastic to have a boss who does that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think um, as leaders you can sometimes get caught up in is, is being liked versus being respected. Oh, and totally. I, I, I dealt with a guy years ago and he was desperate <laughs> to be liked. He wanted to be liked because he wanted to have a team that liked him because he thought that if they were if they were liking him, if they if they liked him, they thought he was a really nice guy or that sort of thing, they'd work hard. But they never did. And he could never uh-huh. figure out why until we sat down. I said, well, okay, try being respected first, liked right. second. And, and he goes, well, okay, what does that look like? So we, we, we had, went on a bit of a journey and this was a journey of self-discovery for him. And he, he came to the, to the understanding that people will like you a whole lot more if they respect you first. And if you're just doing things to keep your team happy, then you become a servant to your team and your team's happiness, which is not a great thing to become a servant to. It's better to be a servant to your team's productivity, which is, all about gaining respect and, and holding people accountable and doing what you say you will and all those type of things as a leader. Right, a then, servant to their pride, to their results, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he went through this transition, took him about a year to, to go through from being, the goal being uh, from from being liked to being respected. 
and because he was really liked, but no one ever knew that he wouldn't follow up and nothing would get done and all that sort of thing. And he, right. and he wanted to, he was just fundamentally disorganized and didn't prioritize right. Um, and so he, he proved over, over the course of a year that he can prioritize and he can do all the right things. And he did. And his team would, would really respect him. And that was, there was a major shift in the performance of the business. And interestingly, a major shift in the happiness of the team because a productive team is typically a happier team. Well, and that's, that's another research-based finding, right? And, yeah. and being, being here, I'm in San Francisco and, you know, have been here for oh, getting close to 30 years, Matt. Um, more, you don't look a day over 31 though, mate, let's be honest. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but, you know, that, that was a lot of the stuff that kind of went on in Silicon Valley and everybody knows about it. And you've seen the shows and the startups and the news and the foosball tables and the scooters and all this other stuff, right? The gimmicks. And, you know, the theory was that happy employees would be more productive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the research is actually the opposite. Productive yeah. employees, productive people are tend to be happier. Because they're getting a result. They're doing something meaningful. They're producing something, yeah. right? And they're and they're ultimately tying the purpose. You know, let's delve mm -hmm. into that for a second because I, I've been thinking about this a lot. That this disengagement in the workplace, and it's not. I mean, we, we know that two thirds of employees are disengaged. Um, but what about owners and founders and managers? I mean, it's real easy to get caught up in the day to day, the minutia, the minute to minute the activity and lose sight of why we why we decided to do this in the first place oh and and don't you see that all the time you know you, oh, yeah you, you know i started off work as a plumber and now i own a plumbing business and i i really i really enjoyed being a plumber not a business owner and you know they become despondent and, and that type of thing I've, I've seen that so many times that they, the owner loses the spark. I've also seen that turn around when the owner figures out that actually he can do the stuff that really rings his bell and doesn't necessarily, just because he's the owner, he doesn't have to be the manager. Um, he can hire right. in that expertise. Um, but right. yeah, you see the passion getting sucked out of people when you know the, the, the relentless um, uh, job of, of being an owner manager of a business kicks in. And I, I can totally understand that. If you start off life as a plumber and then you end up as a business manager, sure, the money might be better, but man, it's not always. It's be work. <laughs> no, we, that's true. Yeah. It's not, that, that, that's even worse, right? Um, yeah. But I mean, as a founder, you know, as a founder, CEO, uh, you know, self, self appointed or what have you, right? You're the visionary. So the, yeah. the main job, you know, and, and again, it's not 40 hours a week, but the main thing that you have to do as a founder is you've got to paint a picture for your team. You've got to paint mm -hmm. a picture of the future. Paint, you've got to connect that purpose. So you get back in touch with why you decided to go on this adventure in the first place. And then you start infusing that back into why people are showing up. You know, I was thinking mm -hmm. about, um, you know, kind of thinking about talks, thinking about presentations and stuff. And, and how you can see this disengagement at, you know, when you're at a conference, if you're giving a talk in a, in a hotel, you know, ballroom or something, right. You encounter those disengaged employees in the hotel, in the parking lot, at the coffee shop, you see yeah. them throughout. Right. But mm -hmm. some of that has to do not just with, they hate their job or they hate their manager or whatever. They just don't know what they're doing. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and that three bricklayer story, we'll let you tell in a second, right? But the, that idea of getting back to, yeah, you're serving people coffee in the morning, but you're, you're giving them something warm and comforting. You're letting them connect with the other people around them. You know, you're helping jumpstart their day. There's more to it than that. You know, if you work in the hotel, yeah. you're giving people a place to put their to rest, to revive, to revitalize, to connect. You know, um, there, mm-hmm. there's so much more to any of these things that sometimes we think they're a little bit trivial. And that's why I like the three bricklayer story, but I think you were one of the people who taught me that in the first place. So why don't you hit us with it? So, so the three bricklayer story um, is, is just three different perspectives on doing exactly the same job. And I think they are really refreshing ways of that. This whole lesson is a refreshing way to, to look at what you do because the first bricklayer looks at what he did and he said, um, uh, I, I lay bricks on top of each other. And he got no satisfaction out of his job because what do you do all day? Well, I just <laughs> I put one brick on top of the other and I, you know, I get some substrate and, and that's that. And wow, yeah, that's no real reason to get out of uh, out of bed in the morning apart from to earn a paycheck. Um, and the next um, uh, bricklayer, he looked at it, he goes, I build walls. Sure, I, I, I put bricks on top of each other, but I build walls. And the third guy, who got a huge amount of satisfaction was never late and thoroughly got a kick out of what he's doing. He says, yeah, well, the first guy, he he puts bricks on top of each other. The next guy build walls, but I, I build cathedrals and, and he builds, he builds things and he builds in, in the example, it's, he builds a cathedral and it's, it's, it's just so refreshing to think that you could get out of bed in the morning and build your own version of a cathedral. Um, and you know, if you're a PT, you can get out of bed and and change people's lives by by dealing with weaknesses or pain or or anything like that. I mean, what a what an amazing reason to get out of bed in the morning. You know, it's this this such a cool way of looking at 99% of jobs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even even some of the most mundane jobs, you can have a really cool attitude to it. Admin is often a job that we tend to find as being you know, maybe a little bit uninspiring for people on the front line, all that sort of thing. But in admin, you're making sure that the will gets paid on time and people, you know, the families get fed and, and communities get, get resourced and 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 that stuff happens. Without admin, nothing really happens. Well, if it does, it'll grind to a big halt in a big hurry. Um, and, and we often overlook just like the role that every single job plays in the building of, of, of a cathedral, or your business, or or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think those, those three perspectives are, are really healthy. And I think that if you can articulate what building your cathedral actually looks like and means and that sort of thing, I think you're nine tenths ahead of nine tenths of other business owners. Because I don't think that as business owners, that's a natural strength for a lot of people. Well, and it's not even on the radar for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And that, that's why I like the bricklayer story so much because I cannot imagine a job that on the surface is more mundane yeah, and more repetitive, right? I mean, I, I've had a hard time thinking of something that's, I mean- No, swipe, I think you're right. Swipe, I really do think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kinda, by itself, yes, you could, lose, you could lose your passion for that in a big hurry, right? But if you're building <laughs> homes, you're building churches, you're building temples, you're building you know, places for people to come together, places for people to shelter, um, you know, that, starts weaving back into it the purpose of 
you know, what it's all about. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a cool way of looking at what you and you know what, for you and I, so, um, why do we do what we do? What, what gets us out of bed in the morning and, and actually makes us do a podcast where like, let, let's be honest, this podcast we've been, this is what our 20th, 22nd, something or other episode. We're up there. I know at least we um, don't get paid for this. We don't, we don't. 29th. 29th. Go us. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get paid for this. This is a passion project. If ever there was one, it was taking yeah. some business knowledge and expertise and, and just putting it out there. And hopefully the right people will connect with it and, and maybe connect with us at some point, but that's not the purpose of it. This is us doing the right thing. Um, and it's not hard to get out of bed and I'm like, you're not getting paid for this. I'm not getting paid for this, but it's the right thing for us to do. This is, this is cool. Talking about taking money off the table. We've taken, when this comes to this podcast, we've taken it entirely off the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe someday, but yeah, yeah. The whole point is to fulfill our own purpose. So I, I love helping business owners, entrepreneurs make the world a better place. And genuinely so. I want to work with those folks that want to change things for the positive, that want to build cultures, that want team engagement, that want to be great leaders, that you know want to help people. So when we have that, and if we can help them on their journeys a little bit, you know, it's pay it forward, pay it back, whatever, you know, it's uh, something I, I don't know. I wish when I was starting out, there was more stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And these <laughs> days you can get business expertise um, in, in so many different places. And let's look at what we do for a living, right? So we work with business owners and we help them develop their business and, 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 if yours is as to um is to it's two million people and it's to help business owners make business make the world a better place make the world a better place cool so mine is two million and to make business more rewarding and and part of the world is is, is is that so we are completely aligned with that and i think that one of the cool things is that now you can actually take this expertise that we've gained over these years of, of running businesses and helping businesses and we can put it out there. I mean, prior to this, if you wanted business expertise, you have to buy a magazine or maybe a book or, right, or, right. or, or whatever. Now you can you, know, you can get it come to you on one of these little phones that we carry around, which is way more than a phone. It's it can get them anywhere. It's it's so much more accessible. Uh, and business expertise, let's be honest, is really really good. There is a science, an entire science studying business and what works and what doesn't. That that fuels what we do. Um, you know, we've got libraries of literally libraries of books um, that set us on the right path that we use with clients and prove they work in the real world. Um, and there hasn't been that. You know, I mean, in, in my father's generation, there was normally a grumpy boss who threw things at people. That was business expertise one hundred and one. You know, now we can show you things that will really work and are really easy to implement. It's it's fantastic. It really is. It's a real privilege to do this job. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it brings a lot more humanity back to, you know, running organizations and working with people, you know, the how about the, the soft skills. I mean, I'm, I'm not a very touchy feely person, right? But you got to acknowledge that people are motivated by emotion. There are other things going on. It's not my way or the highway. It's not a command and control you know, hierarchical kind of model that's going to be most effective, particularly as the generations shift and change and, 
you know, values and expectations are shifting and changing. So we've yeah. got to, you know, change our own approaches a bit too and adapt mm -hmm. to a shifting, changing environment, mm -hmm. um, you know, but can totally do it. So back to attracting the right people, more of the right people. If we do all of these things we talked about today and as you put it earlier, put it out there, right? Because mm -hmm. we keep it a secret. We're not going to attract anybody. We got to, we got to tell people, but if you do so, some of the right people are going to want to come join your team. You know, this is why, by the way, if you're listening to this on your phone or watching it on YouTube or wherever, right? Jump over and look at the saggy baggy elephant. Okay. That's <laughs> one of, one of my management books. It literally was for my managers to get the whole point of hire for fit, to figure out your tribe and to attract the right people. So that's another great little tool uh, thing that you can use and take a look at um, if you're not going to, you know, get offended that we're using a children's book for business purposes. <laughs> there are that's far too, worse business books than that one, mate. I can tell oh. I've read a few. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there definitely are. And I just tell people when they're like, really, seriously, I'm like, hey, it's a lot shorter and a lot more to the point and a lot more entertaining than Hire for Fit. And it's a basically, <laughs> you know, and it's the same message. So you can you can do the read along on, on YouTube in like, you know, six minutes or whatever uh, and get the whole point. So check it out and maybe think about sharing with your hiring team, with your managers, with your HR. And, uh, you know, if you're into it like I am and they think you've lost your mind, that's just fine too. <laughs> And, and and the most healthy ways. I think oh, maybe yeah. before we go, some some of the most practical advice we can give is um and the first or the first part of um the best business best small business in the world book, there is an entire chapter devoted to uh developing your um your vision, your vision for the business. Um yeah. and we look at your higher purpose, we look at your goal, your BHAG for the business, and we look at your values. Um, start there, get those down, get them packed, get them lived in your business. And then once they're lived and people get them and like they become who you are, then go out on the street and shout it from the rooftops about how amazing you guys are to work for, how many opportunities people are going to have and, and all that really good stuff. That's just the most practical advice. Go out, grab the book today, do that first section on creating that vision for your business and then, then put it into action and get it going. Well, and you, yeah, and it gives you a perfect framework to tell the stories of the members of your team that actualize and do these things. And that's, again, going to attract more of the right people. People are motivated by your purpose. People who want to join the cause. People who want to work with other people like that. And uh, you will have gone halfway to solving that whole engagement thing right there. Yep, 100%. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody. So hopefully, hopefully there's something that people can take away and use straight away. I think there's a ton there. We gave them all kinds of great things. Cool. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening today and uh, um, checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>